pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you like what you hear and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm. And welcome, you are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is One Life Left, the UK, Europe and the world's favourite video games radio show. I'm Steve Curran. I'm Simon Byron. I am Anne Scantlebury. Hey Anne, <laughs> how's Hi. it going? Yeah, I've got a really bad cold. Don't you? Uh, nice to see you. Uh, hello, I'm Simon Byron. Uh, that is Anne Scantlebury. Yeah, I, that, uh, yes. And we're joined this evening um, because Steve appears to be in Copenhagen. Um, he said a uh, non-specific bit of Denmark. So I, w- I wouldn't necessarily like if you're if you're looking for Steve, maybe don't go direct to Copenhagen. Just go to Denmark and try and okay try and bring it in from there. Well, he's there. Well, what we've established is that he's not here. Yeah, he's, he's not here. Not here. But Keith Stewart is. I'm here. Hello, Hello. Keith Stewart. How are, you, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Congratulations to you. Thank you. I, on my, on my recently finishing my. You finished my, a novel. You I finished have. a novel on uh, first draft on Sunday. Yes, on Sunday morning. Yeah. Did you? How, how? Like, what happens when you finish a novel? Do you just like put your pen down and just sit back? Yeah, so it's very much like the film Misery, in that I'm, <laughs> I, had a, I had a glass of champagne and a cigarette, and then I, I drove my car off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you some more about your book later on, but okay. uh, you're, you're filling in Steve, you know, you're filling my shoes yes. whilst I'm filling Steve's. This is so hard. It's good job I did drama because I can get into character. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you're going to play yourself this evening? Only me. Okay. Um, it's not just us, though. No, we've got someone playing the guest. <laughs> we've got someone playing the guest. <laughs> playing tonight's guest, it's Tom Cole, who's a research student from goldsmiths hello tom evening how are you doing i'm all right cheers uh how are your shoes my shoes are comfortable okay good um research student at goldsmiths what does that mean um so it means i'm doing a phd i'm part of a uh, group called uh, the intelligent games games intelligence uh program which is a bunch of fully funded scholarships to do phds that basically means i get paid to read write and think about video games. Cool. Apologies for that. I just cut you out. We were just checking that the buttons are working. <laughs> Turns out if you push them on your, on air... Yeah, don't. Just don't do the, that. Uh, also, I told you the wrong thing. Everything's fine. But the opposite of what you told yeah, me, because yeah, yeah. that button's not red. Yeah, yeah, don't okay. worry. Don't worry. It's all good. Uh, Tom, apologies. We will have a, we'll, we'll have a proper catch-up with you um, shortly, but we've got uh, business. Well, the good news is I learn uh, all of my uh, audio skills at Goldsmiths. So, Did you? you? Know, yeah. So, you know, any mess-ups tonight, sort of your fault. Great. Fine. Uh, so, Tom, this is a glimpse into the future, then what you can, from, from a student at Goldsmiths, you can go from that to what Anne's about to do, because here, here she is with the news. It's 
7.04 on Monday the 7th of December. I'm Anne Scansbury and this is the news. Beyond Two Souls developer Quantic Dream has responded to claims that the skin tone of characters in the game was lighter in the PS4 version than in the PS3 version. Quantic Dream boss David Cage explained that the lighting and skin shader they used for PS4 had changed and that the characters in the PS4 game had been upgrading, leading to some having their faces and skin tone changed. He went on to say, talking about the skin colour of two guards in, in the context of a game like Beyond is absurd and for me, personally upsetting. Did he use the word upgrade? Seems a little yeah, seems yeah, I think, inappropriate. Uh, I think uh, it was upgrading the in broader terms than just faces. Okay. Uh there were some upgrades made across the board. Uh, <laughs> what he did say was that um some other skin tones were made darker actually. So did he now? But no one's reporting Super. that, are they? Keith's got a, a notepad and a pen and paper out for I the have, news. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually gonna just be recopying this and okay. put it directly onto the Guardian. Right. So. Have you written anything down as a result of this news? No. Did you did you see it as it happened? I saw I saw it when it originally I saw the basically it went onto Twitter and people were showing comparison photos of uh, Do you know what I took from that comparison photo? She had better hair in the PS3 version. I was like, that hair is much clearer. Ah, they've downgraded the hair, but upgraded their racial politics. Uh, I mean, I guess the the key to this news story is that that nobody actually played uh, Beyond Two Souls, did they? Originally, I think David Cage played did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, a few, a few people did, because it had Ellen Page in it, and it had some quite. Interesting that, you're talking about The Last of Us. No, I'm not. Yeah, that's Ooh. a classic mistake. <laughs> no, I was doing the joke about she well didn't done. she sue? Yes, she did. She sued them. For yes, I thought you were. Mate, God, you're you're too meta for me. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, have you um, have you have you played Beyond Two Souls? I played a few minutes at some launch thing they did at Bafton when it first came out. But other than that, I never Sore got enough. around to it. Yeah, saw enough, yeah. Okay. It was right. When's this out, Anne? Je sais pas. Je sais pas. Konami put the awards party smackdown on Metal Gear Solid creator Hideo Kojima by banning him from going to pick up an award for the game. The legal battle was announced by host Jeff Keighley at the Game Awards after uh, voice actor Kiefer Sutherland picked up the Best Action Adventure Award for Metal Gear Solid The Phantom Pain. Keighley said, Mr. Kojima had every intention of being with us tonight, but unfortunately he was informed by a lawyer representing Konami just recently that he would not be allowed to travel to tonight's awards ceremony to accept any awards. There we go then. How far did it how close did he get? Well, apparently he was still in Tokyo, so not, okay. not that far. He was stopped at the place though, didn't it? It is quite right. So did anybody stay up and watch the game awards? They're on at two AM our time. It's late for us. We're old men, Keith, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Plus I got a bit of history with that. Yeah. So, you, of course. Yeah, because I pulled pulled out. You pulled the, yourself uh, out of it. Of the judging, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I, did, I decided to pull myself out of watching it as well. <laughs> uh, people were surprised um, that Jeff Keighley um, pointed this out, didn't they? Because it's unusual for somebody yeah. to reveal the sort of behind-the-scenes shenanigans. Mm. Why do we think he chose to expose this to the world? Well, I'll tell you what Eurogamer said. Okay. <laughs> uh, that they've done, so, uh, they've done a few things, a few interviews and things together. Uh, um, of course, because that was a whole reveal for the Phantom Pain, yeah. wasn't it? It was Jeff Keighley and Hideo. Yeah, so, Hideo. so they've got a bit of history there. So the lawyers want to stop that history. <laughs> stop it! Stop it now. Um, any other winner? Any other notable winners from the game awards? Can um, anybody recall what won what? No, I completely removed myself from the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> you have no comment on no. this. <laughs> so, uh, did you get into trouble for removing yourself from this from Jeff Keighley? No, um, Jeff was very good about it. We, I don't, I don't know how much of this I can say, but I'll say it anyway. Well, he uh, started it by talking about the lawyer stuff. Yes. <laughs> no, it was it was for fine. Airing our dirt dirty laundry in public <laughs> i sent him an email and the other organizers and, and was explained it, was it in all caps yes it was in one paragraph <laughs> was it marked urgent exactly <laughs> um so i sent him an email explaining my decision he sent one back kind of explaining how the judging process kind of worked and how how he in their eyes that the people that were named as judges were kind of representatives of the publications and they expected everybody on those publications men and women to judge but my point was you 
publish a list of judges and on that list of judges there were 31 men and only one woman yeah. woman and that's what people see and i just think mm. you know if that's what people are seeing in the industry it's such a bad thing to show so whatever whatever justification they have it's not really good enough and they've got to think of another way of doing it so um but he was very good about it and very understanding and, and did he I, say I, they will do that in future i I, he did not say that. He did not get back to me after after he'd kind of after he'd kind of explained the process. So he's not said that, but I really hope he does. And I really annoyingly sent him a suggestion of how they might do it in the future. And I thought, <laughs> do um, you uh, do you think you'll be in, you'll be asked back next year? Let's see. I don't think so. <laughs> Psychonauts 2 raised $1 million of crowdfunding in just 14 hours following its announcement at the Game Awards last week. The fundraising campaign was launched on Fig, which allows backers to get paid profits once they start coming in. The Double Fine game is looking for $3.3 million in total. Its speedy trip to a $1 million doesn't beat the 102 minutes it took Shenmue 3 to get there. So if you want to raise a lot of money for your game through crowdfunding, you're probably best off having an already published prequel as proof of concept um uh, so that news story doesn't quite tell the whole picture does it Anne? yeah it tells oh, everything. typical biased news <laughs> well first of all not not all backers get their money back do they you have to invest at a, at a certain um sorry don't get to uh, a share of the profits you need to invest at a certain yeah tier level yeah no you're right i didn't cover that okay um the second thing is that i mean so it's unusual for someone these days to use fig rather than kickstarter why have they chosen to use fig is it because they easier to spell, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> is it because all the stuff's gone sour with Kickstarter? Uh, like? Partly, I suspect, but also aren't Double Fine um, involved in Fig? Isn't it a partly their oh, initiative? Isn't it? Ooh. I believe it's a collection of game developers. I don't know. <laughs> this is all news to you, isn't it? So, thirdly, it happened to <laughs> the Games Awards. Right, right. I think you should be busy Thirdly, I believe uh, that you get the money whether you succeed or not via Fig. So it's not an all or nothing oh, like, like Kickstarter. Like Indiegogo, yeah. GoGo um, mm. and stuff. So what does this say to you, Anne? Uh, that we need a longer news jingle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think they're at over $2 million today, I uh, noticed. They've got to one9 Probably. Okay. Um, so they'll probably easily get there, won't they? I mean, probably. Like a, f- a foregone probably, conclusion. Probably, although they're not sure, hence the fig business. Why didn't mm. they just remake Psychonauts? Like, they're remaking all their other. Well, games, I, I think, you know, that's the other thing, you know. I think. Um, <laughs> They're, they're, they're doing an awful lot of stuff at the moment. Yeah. They always do a lot of stuff. Do they? Yeah. But but do they do all of it well? <laughs> That's controversial. And they don't all. Do, they don't, like, is it? Oh, it wasn't a statement. It was a question. Yes. They, norm, they normally got like some small projects on the go, and then half of them are quite experimental and are sort of okay to crash and burn a little bit as long as one or two of them rise it seems like they publish a lot of those amnesia fortnight things and that haven't they so wasn't it broken age they delivered in a couple of parts as well which is yeah, yeah. and what was the game the <laughs> what was the game that they uh they stopped making and your chief news news fox oh oh no what is it called there's some controversy over that. I don't know. It's, it seems to me um, that there's a lot of money um, invested or going towards Double Fine before the games come out. So if they make three million, how much could they? I mean, are they going to make more at retail than three million dollars? Well, they might. I mean, it depends. Like, it depends on what model they've they've come up with because they might not need to. I mean, if they're if they're fund if they're entirely funding development and 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 put into that some revenue as well, then they just have to sell to their fan base. I think. I, but 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 when they've already have sold to it, that's the, by by people that will, will have bought it already. So it, I don't know. They sort of run out of people to. Yeah, but if they build the, their revenue into what they're charging for their Kickstarter, isn't that won't that cover it? It's a fig, Keith. And w- fig. will all their supporters Sorry. actually get in, on board with that fig thing? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, the, I mean, they're at two million already. I, I mean, it's it's clearly, it's clearly going to succeed. I, I just, yeah, it's it just seems like um, we're going down a, yeah, it just strays such a substantial amount of money before you know, you know you've got all the all the potential pitfalls and problems of mm. of making video games. I, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's seems to be getting bigger and bigger. We have talked about this before, where it it feels like uh, Kickstarter or other similar crowdfunding thing for smaller projects. Like the money can have so so much of a bigger impact on a on a smaller project because it can literally fund everything, and then everything off the back of that is uh, it's sort of uh, more of a project of love, and you just need a bit of money behind mm. it. Whereas this is like. Whoa, this Three is million. like... I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's like salaries if, and if stuff. You, um, if you successfully fund a series of games through that particular platform, would that be called a fig roll? Very good. 
There is no excuse to be bored while waiting for a game to load ever again. Namco's 20-year patent on auxiliary mini-games during loading screens has at last run out. The patent meant players couldn't be entertained with a mini-game that wasn't related to the main game while it was loading. To celebrate this momentous occasion, a loading screen game jam was set up. Submissions are now closed, but you can vote on which you think is the best until the 13th of December. Um... They weren't the first to do this, though. Were they? The they were patents the twenty years ago. I remember yeah. playing video. You will as well, Keith, being a gentleman of a certain age, playing yes. games as as they loaded. Uh, I for some reason either Airwolf or Blue Thunder. I always get the two oh, confused. Um, that had one of uh, Charles. I'm sure Charles Cecil did it with one of his games as well. Did he? You would know about that, surely. Is it, but has he ever written a game where it would, you'd take time to I'm load? F- I'm sure. I'm sure someone did that. And, There's um, plenty of games you take time to think. I don't know about yeah. take time. To load. You play a game while you're thinking. Yeah, maybe. That's true, yes. <laughs> Who's done it in this case? I missed it because I was still regretting my figure old. <laughs> this is Konami's uh, patent as Namco's. expired. Namco, sorry. Uh, um, yeah, because they obviously. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, it was done. It was definitely been done before Ridge well, Racer. Uh, yeah, because it was. Um, Ridge Racer to Galaxy and North Galaxy. Galaga. And yeah, yeah the, there was that other top down car game in a. Yeah. That was the loading screen to a Ridge Racer on my PSP. Right. To remember. And that would have been about 20 years ago, wouldn't it? PlayStation's 20th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. So it would have been 1994. So we've just conclusively proved through memory that yes. it wasn't the first, even though we can't remember what was the first. No. So, so That shows how important they so are, doesn't it? So can you just patent literally anything <laughs> well, when you're like, that's a really I good idea. That. Mine. Yeah, well, I mean, we've just established that to be the case, haven't we? Let's patent the news. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, you know when your hypothetical gran would say something like, you won't get a prize just for turning up. Well, suck on this hypothetical gran, because Bethesda is literally offering someone $1 million just for playing The Elder Scrolls Online and saying why they liked it. The prize will come in 20 annual instalments of $50,000, presumably hoping the player will forget or die before the end of the payout period. Nothing screams confidence in your game like a million-dollar prize just for logging on. Publicity stunts working then, and yeah, the cost of million. How, how much is a news item got, on one like worth? It got into the end finally, but I burned it. Okay, wow, those sick. Uh, why, why can't they go and just read online reviews like most other people would do, or talk to them? I mean, am I missing something here? Yeah, well, then uh, you wouldn't have got your coveted uh, and finally, would you? Nope. Uh, that is true. That is true. Um, has anybody played the Elder Scrolls online? No. no I don't think, it turns out none of us have played any games. No. <laughs> are, they, are we in the wrong game? <laughs> it seems that was supposed to be Whatever a, that Mariochi song is that's uh, the Elder Scrolls song, I'd never written heard... By, written by my, my wife. Written by your wife. I'd never heard it. I, I, I'd never heard it before. Heard it a lot at Mariochi, and then it came on, I don't know, somewhere. And I was like, what? There, there are different words. Interesting. That's my Elder Scrolls story. <laughs> that's excellent. So not only had you... Um, had you never heard the original, but no. you'd, you'd forgotten about the thing that we invented. Yeah, right. good, isn't okay, it? Good. Um, well, I won't be playing the Elder Scrolls online for a, the, the chance to win a million dollars. I can tell you that now for nothing. Anybody else? Anybody else no. with me? No, I'm Not a bit bored. I'm bored of MMOs. Yeah, uh, MM no. <laughs> I don't have time. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Anne. One life left. Video game news with Anne is um, called uh, Fish Fingers and Custard. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> you're, you're not a Doctor Who fan, I take it, Anne. Uh, it's by no. Bitch, Bit Pusher 
2600s. He says, um, despite the title, the music itself isn't related to Doctor Who whatsoever. But I didn't have a title in mind, and lately I've been missing Matt Smith. Haven't we all? Mm. Haven't we all? No. Uh, we got this from chipmusic.org, where we get all of our music from. Um, Keith, while this was on, you were just lamenting the fact that Anne didn't cover any of the news stories you've been swatting up on. I was. I was. Now you're going to ask me which news stories I, I swatted up on, and now, and now I've forgotten. Oh, I know. Um, of Final Fantasy VII Remake okay. caused a, um, a huge controversy today. Um, because because uh, it turns out that they're not going to... Uh, Hang on a second. Do you know what I, I feel we, we should do? Um, is, uh... Sorry, Keith. That's all right. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's news remastered. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, Square Enix have announced that they are doing a Final Fantasy VII remake, but fans are upset that it might not be an exact remake and more of a reimagining of the classic PlayStation RPG. Anne, what do you think about this new story? You have to end, you have to end with a joke. Oh. Well, actually, you don't have yourself to throw to, do you? No, I don't. No, I've got nothing. Right. Uh, can I just do Fig Roll again? That was, so that, was the, um, that was the biggest story you felt we should have covered? Well, I mean, it's caused a lot of controversy on social media site Twitter today. <laughs> so, you know, if we're going to have our fingers on the pulses. Okay. As we, as, I'm not, you know, In what no, way is I'm it not, meant uh, to be different, then? I think it's going to be well, it's episodic, episodic for a start because they can't fit the whole what? game on one disc. So exactly because um, we all use discs these, these what, days. What, yeah. skin, what are the skin tones looking like this time round? Since I, it's remastered, you know. I think they've made the decision not to go along the David they, Cage. They haven't got any skin. Got <laughs> yeah. no good skin. Good idea. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be lots of differences, and I, I think it's interesting because you have the, the fan base who go, "No, no, it's a wonderful game. You don't have to change anything. You can just bring mm-hmm. it out again." And everyone else is saying, "Well, now is, is there any point in that? Because you can actually just get Final Fantasy VII in its in its." In fact, didn't they only this week? re-released the PC remaster on PlayStation. I think that is the case. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, I, Square Enix really confused me because there's so many different Final Fantasy spin-offs now. I have no idea mm. what's going on, and no one else in the world does. Mm. Thanks, Keith. That's okay. Thanks, um, Keith. I'll see you next week for more news. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, hello. How are you doing? I'm all right. Tell us about your uh, your studies. Then, what are you what are you researching? So I am looking at emotional. How can we broaden and deepen emotional engagement in video games with an emphasis on design? Uh, sorry, uh, mechanics, rules, systems, and control systems. Because when we usually talk about emotions in video games, people talk about character and narrative and uh, you know plot beats and, all, and writing, etc. And that's all very relevant and, and important as well. But what I sort of thought was, well, what about the things that make games games? which is the interactive part of it, mm-hmm. um, and how can we use that to kind of create effect. And by like broadening, deepening, deepening, the way I normally explain it to people is uh, if you walk into a bookshop, or if you remember them, a film shop, right. DVD shop back in the day, yeah. uh, then you could see you know, there's all sorts of titles um, there and all sorts of topics and all sorts of kind of emotional journeys to be taken on that you could choose from. If you go into a video game shop or onto a digital shop front, Steam even, it's not quite the same, you know. There's exceptions, there's exceptions there, but broadly, you know, broadly speaking, uh, we're not quite there. So I'd like, you know, I don't. A lot of people say, oh, you know, it will happen eventually. We are young medium. That's all true, but I don't think we actually progress anywhere. We can't keep being young, can we? Well, also, I'm proof of that. Well, see, like, also, <laughs> like, you, you, you don't get anywhere by just sitting on your laurels and just waiting for time to take its toll. I mean, the reason why things progress is because people look into them and push push things forward so how 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 would we express a greater range of emotions then through mechanics well not, not so sure i'll come back to you in three years Keith. oh okay <laughs> I, I, did you not go in could you not give me a spoiler <laughs> did, no i've got no spoilers okay. at the moment it's so it's um i mean so i i find that what my studies turn out to be is like two-pronged stuff like it's looking at the games that do it really well already um, and I think you know there are lots of games that, there are certain uh, games out there that do really well already but I'm not 100% convinced that we really understand them very, at a very deep level you know and if you look at the way that people analyse great films of the past or great literature of the past it's not quite so much of that being done not in depth not with the kind of laser focus that you kind of get with academia um, uh, Which games would you say are doing it well already? I think Journey is a good example, uh, communication mechanic there. Uh, my favourite one is actually Brothers Tale of Two Sons. Oh, yeah. Uh, because that, uh, I can't really say much without spoiling the game. But, um, but you can say that the mechanic is essentially you're controlling both brothers at the same time with that. Yeah, and it uses that to exceptional effect, mm. I think. 
um, when you go later on down the narrative. So I'm trying to avoid spoilers for what is actually a short game that you know most people could actually get around to playing. But that is a that's a really good thing. And Papers Please, I think, is a is a very different kind of example because that's kind of got clashing narrative and mechanics we normally talk about this you know what clint hocking talked about is ludo narrative dissonance is a bad thing but with papers please you've kind of got one narrative and the mechanics and they clash together and that's what actually is the source of the emotional uh, conflict and then the emotional go and things like um you know uh, simon's favorite type of games the walking simulators like where you sort of create ambiguity by having less and i think by correct this is something that dan pinchbeck has spoken about quite a lot by um creating more space for people to inhabit the game like they're, they're able to put more of themselves in there and get an emotional experience out which is more nuanced to them rather than having everything kind of dictated to and you can see that in the differences between mainstream blockbuster film and um art house film you know with mainstream film there's lots of redundant you know there's cue redundancy like the the music and the narrative and the story and the writers all saying the same thing whereas art film is a bit more um, a bit more vague in places, you know, a bit more uh, ambiguous, etc. So I think there's more tactics than just ambiguity, but that's kind of some of the things that I'm thinking about at the moment. Interesting. I, I, so out of those, then, um, I finished Journey, didn't like it. Um, yeah. Brothers, um, I, go, I got to... Um, I mean, I liked it, Yeah. but the whole pat-your-head-rub-your-tummy-type gameplay mechanic that it does... It took um, a while to get... I just, got, and I then the say. whole flinging it all got a bit complicated for me. Whereas Papers, Please, um, I, I, I absolutely definitely agree with you on that, um, in that um, what I found interesting about that in particular is that you, um, unlike the other two games, this is one where you are... It's the first time in a game where I felt that you should... <laughs> the Bioware games let, let you explore traits and, and personalities by being good or bad. And Peter Molyneux has toyed with the idea of you know visual representation when you're being bad and how people will react to you. Mm. Papers, Please doesn't do any of that, but lets you, exactly. lets you feel it inside you. Exactly. Um, yeah. it's, it's, very, so, it's very neutral, actually, in the way it portrays things. Right. I think, I think that's its makes, power. Makes it, yeah. Yeah. It, it also is that amazing juxtaposition between the, between the kind of everydayness of the tasks that you have to do, just checking mm. these papers... Uh, and you know, juxtaposed with this kind of quite big moral issue of immigration and who yeah. gets accepted and who doesn't. So I love the way that that clashes in uh, you know in the game mechanics rather than telling you, um, you um, yeah, this is a profound decision you're making. Yeah, certainly. Um, it just says here's your job. It's nine to five, and if you don't do it fast enough, then your family going to starve. And do you care about the people you're letting into the country or not in that context? Yeah. So out of those those three that we've uh, referenced, I mean, they're all sort of well-known. Are there any, any gems that we may not have heard of that you think do it particularly well? Oh, yeah. um, oh I, I didn't think of an answer to that question before I came on it. Um, I can't think of any... Of the answer can be no. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure there is. Uh, it'll just I, I don't know them at the moment right. there's one which is very similar to Papers Please which is uh, Cart Life which is another one of those oh, like yes. After, yeah, good job, one, yeah. job, yeah. job Sims yeah. um, which you know that's sort of like about the drudgery and it's it's really hard it's really hard it's about balancing life's priorities that one isn't yeah. it because it's about so yeah so Cart Life so Brilliant, thank you. Uh, there, there's my answer. And, and provide We're all this. filling in for each other, yeah. aren't we here? Um, it's nice. It's like a relay. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, yes, I mean, that's, that's about balancing life's priorities, isn't it? Um, the, the one I really remember is the single mother yeah. who is trying to set up a coffee stand but has to be very careful that she's not seen she's got custody like hearing coming up and wants to be seen to be providing for her kids but all the machinations and the logistics of trying to get a coffee stand and get it all set up is interfering with her picking up her child from work i kept on fading in that one i, I my, my kid was very unloved in, in that game yeah my coffee was very unloved <laughs> <laughs> tom when you're not uh researching uh this sort of thing you're, yes. you're also organizing an event aren't you yeah so this weekend uh this weekend yeah this weekend coming so if you're listening to it live this saturday if you listen to it's podcast day after tomorrow is it friday or saturday it's gonna be saturday and sunday the day after the day after tomorrow mm. so saturday and sunday 12th and 13th december uh, adventure x is a event about adventure games uh so it's a conference purely about that it kind of grew out of the um the forums for the adventure game studio tool which is a freeware adventure game tool but it's broadened since then that's five years ago it started okay um so uh yeah so i've co-organized that with a couple of other people and um we've got developers and uh fans and creatives of where is it it's gonna be at goldsmiths um so it's near new cross gate or new cross station it's free uh it's gonna be running from about 10 to about five uh in the evening um and then we'll go to the pub afterwards right uh and locally and um where else and the website is uh, adventure 
XPO, I didn't choose the URL, adventurexpo.co.uk or screen7.co.uk slash adventurex. Who's, who's, uh, who's coming along from the, uh, from the adventure world? Um, so Dave Gilbert from Roger Eye Games is always there. So um, made the Blackwell series, mm-hmm. uh, published Gemini Rue, yep. an IGF finalist, published Resonance. Um, people from Sky Goblin who made... Uh, who are still making the journey down um, they were very successful the first episode of that about to make the second episode Daedalic who um, a yeah. big German producer of uh, Point and Click Adventures uh, Charles Cecil's in London at the weekend I, I, uh, I found out yesterday he's, he? he's been a guest speaker in the Is past he? so you might well swing by yeah, he, he guest spoke two years ago came is and spoke he Aries at the moment yeah he's speaking oh. there isn't he yeah, yeah. he did a, he did a he's show life, he... doesn't he does yeah. he just turn up places and start speaking and people are like well I guess he's a speaker then he yeah. has such gravitas that people just allow him <laughs> stop to, and to stop and he's listen. quite engaging to listen to yeah, he's he's if, if he did just to. start speaking there's a natural gravitas to Charles yeah. Cecil's voice, really, isn't it? I, I, um, when I was helping a little bit with the Broken Sword uh, um, book, uh, they, they were going to bring out, you know when they brought out Broken Sword 5, they were going to do a book with it. Unfortunately, they t- it became an art book because um, you know, because of time issues around the game. Were you were... helping with the words and that's why it became an art book? <laughs> yes, that is exactly <laughs> it. That, is the, that was what I was trying to avoid saying, but that is the terrible truth. Uh, uh, no, and I, 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 um, I, I, stayed with, I stayed with them for, or I stayed in New York, stayed in a hotel, went and um, interviewed them, um, him and his wife, uh, Nori, who's also at Revolution Software um, for like hours and hours and hours at their home and it was wonderful we were just sitting in their lovely house in York uh, a beautiful old kind of 19 I think 18th century house sitting with Charles and Charles reminiscing about the past it was wonderful it yeah. could have been like a lovely television yeah, programme I, I agree maybe you could get Keith along uh, Tom to talk about his time with Charles Cecil <laughs> Oh, yeah, my yeah, my evenings with Charles. <laughs> the schedule was full, but I'm sure they could squeeze you in somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, thanks very much for that, Tom. So best look. So we can. Uh, w- uh, where do we get tickets for the expo? No, no tickets needed. Okay. It's free. Right. Uh, but Pitch th- up. But the website again is. So it's adventurexpo.co.uk or screen seven number seven that is .co.uk slash adventurex. Hello, I'm Sega Badawi, and welcome to One Life Left Local News. Rocket League fans have been amazed as a player from one of the unfashionable teams in the league has broken the record for scoring in consecutive games. Jamie Cardi from the Leicester Blues has now scored in 12 games in a row, which doesn't actually sound that much for the high-scoring Rocket League, but is a new record. His manager, the Italian Claudio Vanieri, said that he was very happy to have such a scorer in his team, but is more looking to avoid relegation than to win the league. He also clarified that it was a him, Claudio, talking to us. Unfortunately, Mr Cardi failed to score in this weekend's game, so he couldn't extend the run, but Riyad Mahrez did score a hat-trick in the Leicester win. Thanks, and back to your usual programming.
The girl is talking without the mic's up. Do you recognise this? No. No? Keith. I did recognise it, and now it's gone right out of my head. Tom, Tom, you were sort of singing along. It's quite a chirpy little ditty, isn't it? Baltimore, but... Uh, That's it. Whoa, Tarzan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yes, John. There you go. Yeah, yeah. As you can tell, it's Tarzan Boy by Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, this version is by March Bot uh, from uh, chiptunes. Uh, sorry, chipmusic.org. Uh, he said it's the Sega Master System version of the 1985 hit Tarzan Boy by Baltimore. Ba- sorry, Baltimore. I made serious use of the melodic noise mode, and the intro includes pitch bending of the periodic noise. So there's a lot of swapping between channels, three of the four of the PSG. This is designed to play in-game, he says. So if you've got games... Um, he says he works pretty hard on it to make the square sound like soulful singing. Enjoy. That's good. It's mm. very good effort. A lot of effort gone into this. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. And a great machine as well. Uh, before that, we heard uh, Sega Bdawi uh, with the local news. Uh, thanks for that, Sega. And uh, we're going to move straight on to the letters. letters. Robert Wells writes, hello team, hello super special guest. He says, I've been given a beautiful beautiful pair of USB SNES controllers as an early Christmas present, along with some awesome retro games to use them on. Mm. What are your hot tips for Christmas presents this year, Pip-Pip Robert? Buy me a PS4. Do you want a PS4? Yeah, loads. That's, uh, $230 is the current cheapest price. Okay. £230. Got my eyes From on Shop it. 2, I believe. Oh, okay. should have got okay. one Black Friday. Got one for £200. You yeah. did? Yeah. Okay. Amazon refurb. Right. There's nothing. There's no no scratches on it. Did you buy it for Anne? Pun? Did you buy it for Anne? Is that is that, that my Christmas present? That's really nice wow, of you. That's so nice. Really of you. nice. There you go. Oh. You can have that exclusive if you like. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, any t- top tips for hot Christmas presents? I was very impressed with the Guardian um, guide to Christmas gifts recently for for tech. Parents, oh, yes, that was Stuart Dredge. Lots of excellent. robot toys yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, that was excellent. I like the way you mentioned his and not my 18 uh, presents for gamers that I did on uh, Saturday that did that did quite well for us What's as well. What's your number one? I didn't, I, sorry, I didn't, I I didn't list it. I thought, um, I, I thought that you, uh, you... No, no, no. It was uh, Stuart Dredge wrote the one for tech-conscious kids, which was very good. Lots of robot yeah, toys and yeah. things. Mine was, mine was more uh, things like Sonic the Hedgehog jumpers. Okay. <laughs> Although I did have Technology Will Save Us uh, make your own game. Uh, there's a company called Technology Will Save Us that makes amazing... Uh, Arduino-based uh, gadgets and things that you can create yourself, and they've made a games console, and you can build your own little games, handheld games console, and that's brilliant. That's quite cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, I actually didn't see you. I was busy this weekend, uh, oh, but I will, okay. I will check it out. Go and have a look. There's some uh, good stuff on there. You've got a letter, Keith, don't you? Yes, I do. Yes, I've got a letter from Sarah Ford, um, and uh, it's about Final Fantasy VII. And it's very much in the style of the Taylor Swift song, Bad Blood. I'm not going to go and try and sing it, but I'm going to... Because I can't sing. Uh, So I'm going to read it out in more of a poetry style. What are your opinions on the Final Fantasy VII remake? Episodic, removing turn-based combat. Did you have to do this? I was thinking that you could be trusted. Did you have to ruin what was shiny? Now it's all rusted. Did you have to hit me where I'm weak? Baby, I couldn't breathe. And rub it in so deep, salt in the wound like you're laughing right at me. I don't know how I could ever give Square Enix my money again. It's over. Now we've got bad blood. You know, it used to be mad love. So take a look, take a look at what you've done, because, baby, now we've got bad blood. Whoa. It's beautiful, isn't it? Are you sure that wasn't a Marioki Yeah, submission? it should be. You should just type it straight yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Sarah. You promised you were going to do that, and you did it. Well done. Wait, you missed that line. <laughs> oh, hey! Good. Anne. Uh, dear Anne, Simon and Keith, along with any SSGs who may be present, Xenoblade Chronicles Cross, it's pronounced cross in case you didn't know, I didn't, uh, has finally, finally come out. Uh, I came to its predecessor relatively late, but have been looking forward to this game more and more with every trailer that came out until I had a good old-fashioned sofa day yesterday where I played it from dawn till dusk. Frankly, for the price of a standard game, it's a lot of content. Do you think there's something to be said about the pricing model of games since I can pay £40 for a 10-hour game just as polished as a 400-hour game? I wonder if there is, since I often work out how much value I'll get out of a game by thinking in terms of if I can get an hour of enjoyment per pound I spend, that's a good deal. For me, that makes Xenoblade a very easy choice over something like Uncharted. Uh, Lots of love and festive units of affection. Chris Stewart. Thanks, Chris. I'm the opposite. The opposite. I'm not going to play Xenoblade Chronicles Cross. 
Although I'm grateful for you writing because yeah. I was calling it X. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's too big. Too big for me. Too big for... No, I'm for, saying... Too big for Simon. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not down with this, like, you know, lots of hours for my poundage. I'd no. rather have a shorter game that is decent and I can actually see all of someone's creative yeah. vision. I'm all about on. the teeny tiny games. I don't, I don't have the time in my life. I don't get a sofa day. I also think the concept of value with games is quite interesting as well, yeah, isn't it? it? Is, like, yeah. we, you know, we, 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 we've talked about this quite a lot on the Guardian site, and it's like, you know, £40 per game. Like, Star Wars Battlefront is a really good example. I think it's quite a shallow game, but so many people have got easily £40 worth of entertainment out of it. Oh, if yeah. you think, to, to go to take your kids to the cinema, that's 40 quid already. Go yeah. for a meal, that's Absolutely. 40 quid. So, you know, if you're getting like 12 hours of pleasure out of that game, you can't really, con- you know, it's about intensity of experience, not just length. Yeah, but that's games what don't... I, that's that's what £3 something an hour. It's less than the minimum wage. <laughs> we could, if, uh, I think the equation was a pound an hour. Yeah, a pound an hour. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Star, I mean, Star Wars attracts premium, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah but you could, I'm sure you'll get that much out of it. I'm going to. Tom. Hi, team and super special guest presenter, or should I say presenter, Bosch. Christmas ah. is coming. You can't stop it and neither can I, so I'll just have to get on board. Okay, it is inevitable. And this made me wonder, what is your most special games-related Christmas morning present opening memory? Mine uh, was, um, when I was younger, uh, so my, my, uh, my birthday um, is close to uh, Christmas. That's never changed. It's got nothing to do with my age. When okay. I was, but when I was younger, um, my mum um, and dad uh, bought, uh, gave me some money for my birthday. And then they said, um, on Christmas morning, I went down, they said, I can either give the money, I can, I can have some more money. Uh, as a Christmas present or I can give the money back and have what the present that was under the tree yeah I know and uh, so you know I'm a gambler in my younger days I said uh, yeah right sure Um, I'll take what's under there it was a Commodore 64 loads of games Uh, oh wow I was really happy I like the way your parents like torture you (laughs) (laughs) it's like those science experiments they've done about impulsiveness in children isn't it absolutely over the (laughs) moon they turned Christmas into a Skinner box (laughs) (laughs) I was over the moon and then I said after I was like uh, well you know what have you done we'd still have had the Commodore 64 she said no I I had I had faith in you Wow. Anyone else? No, because I'm a game show unless I don't get games for Christmas. <laughs> no, I've never... I was never into games as a child. And Aww. Did I get... No, I've, not, I've never been given anything good. Well, uh, apart from Tom, <laughs> apart from the PS4. PS4. Yeah, apparently. The tide has turned for us. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, you got anything to add? Uh... I think I, I can't quite remember if it was for my birthday, which is also not far from Christmas. Whether it's Christmas, but I got Spectrum Plus Two when I was seven, and I definitely uh, remember that quite clearly. So that was a special time. Nineteen eighty-six. Boom. Excellent. Right. Finally, Ben Hall uh, writes: Hello, team. Minus D plus Case Two, and possibly another super special guest. Just realised that the letter I sent you last week was wrong, as Matt Berry wrote and played the theme tune to Toast of London. I apologise to you and your listeners. Still, those Xbox Ones, eh? Quite exactly. Right. Quite right. Yeah. Thank you very much for uh, your letters this week. Um, you've got one more week to get them in before Is that this. It? We're doing one show next week, Anne. Hang on. Like, I just need to check my calendar because that's not right. right. We're just, just, Is it just one more let's Monday? Just, let's just Christmas? wait. If she's gone booked in. No, then, then, then you're here, mate. Two, and then there's two. the 21st. I'm glad that I checked that, Simon, because otherwise it's 14th and then the 21st, right? Should you shut? Look. <gasps> it's from Monday the 20th. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you're finding out. This is Anne. Anne realising she's got some holiday uh, live oh. on air. That's the reaction. So you've got one more week to um, get your letters in about one this week year. Left. Have one week left. It's very mm. good. Um, so please email team at onelifeleft.com. Uh, and yeah, we look forward to hearing from you.
This is uh, Drone uh, by I Decayed. Uh, by I Decayed. Uh, hello, I Decayed. I think that's how you pronounce it. So I'm down Hologram. Uh, you can find it on chipmusic.org. Keith, you were just uh, chatting about uh, what's going to be your... Um, you reprising your guest role at the One Life Left Christmas party? Yes, I am. I'm going to be Santa once again, I think, for the fourth year fourth in a row, year, I think. Really? Maybe, maybe even fifth. I, I do remember. have something to raise about this. Now, of one Father Christmases that we have, mm. it's 100% male. That is true. <laughs> Are you going to be standing down from your role... As Santa. Are you offering to be Santa now? Absolutely not. C- right. Could you have two and w- one of each gender for gender balance? Well, gender's a so spectrum, you've got options. so one of each yeah. isn't really a... That's gender. true, that's true. Um, so maybe we should look to getting a bit of a broader representation. A spectrum, then. yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. But you have to do that next year because uh, we've we've publicised the event oh, okay, off right. the back of we've Keith's booked, attendance. Oh, well, we've booked him as well. If we've already publicised it, then, yeah. then everything's OK. <laughs> exactly. We know Keith doesn't pull out of anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about my, my house of updating the, the Eventbrite page. Okay. Um, tickets are still on sale. They're £5 each. We're putting all the money behind the bar. Uh, we're going to be there. We're going to be doing karaoke with some new songs. Keith Stewart's going to be there. You'll be able to sit on his knee and he'll be able to ho 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 you um john hare <laughs> john hare is going to be there playing um a three or four set session um acoustic session with some classic sensible software songs mm. it's going to be good mm-hmm. uh i'll be up lots of other surprises we'll be doing uh gift exchange that i've got, sort a, of I've thing. got a plan for a good surprise and Anne's got a plan for a good surprise. Need to run it past you first. Okay. Well, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> uh, we, should, uh, we should push on and do the, re- the reviews, I guess. We're running out of time, so... Um, Put it on that one. Stick it on that one. Uh, there we go. Smooth, Smooth, huh? Smooth. Who needs Steve? Um, I mean, I'll get mine done. I've been playing Battlefront still. It's three weeks in a row. <laughs> I'm probably at uh-huh. I'm probably at four or five pounds an hour at the moment, Keith. Um, how much per review? Ah, that's a very good question. Well, how much am I being paid? No, how much? You, <laughs> how much have you paid in order to, to review this uh, three weeks in a row? Forty pounds. Uh, it's just great. Um, I <laughs> um, this weekend's highlight was my son playing against my wife. Uh, my son Darth Vader. He's just an absolute like a psychopath just uh, yeah I think I'm not sure whether Darth, Darth Vader's overpowered or uh, or my son I, I need to put him on some sort of list um, <laughs> absolute savagery lightsabers raining down uh, still, the dark side oh, yeah it just, it just um, he was having so much fun uh, with it and yeah I'm a little bit wary but uh, it's still brilliant I'm looking forward to getting home this evening uh, there's a new map available for free for us that didn't pre-order it uh, um, I think that's out uh, this weekend. And yeah, it's uh, just, just the game that keeps on giving. Still 7 out of 10. Keith, what have you been playing? I have played uh, Crows, Crows, Crows uh, uh, game, which is... Uh, oh, do- I had to look up the title because it's so long. It's Dr. La- uh, Dr. Langsgoff, the Tiger and the Terribly Cursed Emerald, a whirlwind heist, which is a 20-minute PC game written uh, by uh, Jack DeQuinn and William Pugh from their new uh, studio, Crows, Ooh. Crows, Crows. It's free, Exciting. isn't it? It is why, free. Why is that? That's very generous of them. I know. No, because it's got um, Simon Hansel. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't expect he comes cheap these days. But yeah, I think, I mean, I think we, uh, William wanted it to be a kind of introduction to his his studio. Okay, and he became very conscious of the fact that it is a very very short game. You can finish it in twenty minutes. Um, so it's kind of like an introduction to his studio. So I think it is really great. And it, again, really it's cool. that whole thing about value because I think a lot of people would have paid for that. You know, would have paid for that experience because it's a, a really really funny. I can't say too much about it uh, to give it away, but typically for William Pugh, who's one of my co-writers of the Stanley Parable. Um, it's a it's a very it's a real kind of meta game. It's a it's very kind of postmodern about uh, what games are and uh, all the different conventions that we accept and how those can be uh, how those can be uh, sub uh, subverted. Did you play the uh, game that uh, Davy Reedon? The uh, Beginner's Guide is it? Yeah, the I've not played guide. it, but I, I did buy it during the Steam summer yeah. sales. So. I know I own it, but I've not played it yet. Yeah, so yeah. Shush. Oh, oh. I mean, I have already reviewed it once. Yeah, uh-huh. similar similar. Uh, that's it. I'm not going to say anything else. Okay. Yeah, and also and also William. 
Graham uh, last year at Game City and other events did the uh, what he called the Kevin Patterson experience, which again he he kind of invented this artist called Kevin Patterson and created a game based on that. And again, it was very much like using the uh, Half Life Source Engine first person uh, exploration game, but very much about subverting all the conventions of games. Yeah. And I find it really, really. I mean, it's kind of almost trolling games and trolling <laughs> gamers uh, in typical <laughs> William Pugh style, but it's really beautifully made and really, really funny and lots of wonderful little intricate ideas in it not only in the script but also in the environment uh, it's really tricksy and, and, and just a great fun way of spending 20 minutes definitely 7 out of 10 Anne Hi uh, I continue to play Neko Atsumi um, I wanted to give an update because Steve's not here uh, he got a cat in his yard Did he? Oh, wow Yes Steve got a cat in his yard Did he send this update through? No, he um he put it on Twitter. Oh, Apparently he? he was in he was giving a lesson. Have I muted Steve? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Isn't it? <laughs> Better undo that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, apparently he was giving a lesson and he just opened it and he saw and he got a bit, uh, overwhelmed when he saw a cat was in his yard and then his uh, students clapped him right. sympathetically. Anyway, still a brilliant game. I love cats. Um, and the other one, what else have I been playing? Uh, oh yeah. I've been playing Chime, but then Thank I realised it's it's in beta. I know the developer, and I've backed it. Right? Can I review it? Wow, that's that feels a whole like Venn diagram. And it? he's bought me a sandwich in the past. He did. I saw him. Yeah. <laughs> and he he like he held your nose while he force fed it to you, didn't yeah. he? he said, love Chime. Yeah. You must mm. love Chime. Well, I do. So you've it's been re- bought and brainwashed. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Uh, and fed. Yeah. So at least I'm not hungry. Mm. Um, So, Chime is a wonderful uh, music puzzle game, which... uh, So I was playing it um, with my boyfriend, and we put up the projector, and it was just so so lovely and relaxing. Um, Apart from when it's really not relaxing, when you start getting to the end and um, it starts counting down and going, not got very much time left, you're going to get kicked off this level, then it's not relaxing. Uh, But you sort of are placing... Tetrisy style blocks onto uh, a square grid uh, to unveil, like to unveil other bits of the song that's playing it, like in the background. It's just really lovely. Looks really pretty. Uh, I did have one comment though. Some of the colours are a bit hard to see. Okay. Mm. So needs, maybe to, we, needs to be more accessible. Yeah. Maybe people who are colourblind. Henry Hoffman was talking about yeah. that sort of thing when Steve wasn't listening. No, he wasn't, was he? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so that's my feedback, which shows that I'm not biased because I've said something that's not just, oh, I love this game so much. Uh, but I do, and I will give it 7 out of 10. Tom. Um, so with my newfound goods, uh, the PS4, I've been playing a bit of Fallout 4, but I mean, it's one of those games that's so massive, uh, you need to kind of put in a, a decent set of hours before you ascribe a, a value to it. So uh, I'm just going to say I've been playing and enjoying that. But what I could give a value to is that I've been playing a adventure game called The Shiver, which is um, one of the earlier games by Wadjet Eye Games, and they remade it a couple of years ago called Shiver Kosher Edition and it's about a rabbi who's investigating a murder and it's um, it's interesting because it uh, although it's you know it's fairly tried and tested mechanics of point and click adventures but it's got interesting themes about uh, religion and people being outcast and people straying from religious communities and the clash between relationships and religious ideals and things like that it's, uh, it's got some interesting themes there um, so I play that uh, it's very pleasant um, good writing good characters <clears throat> 7 out of 10 Excellent. And when did you get a projector? Uh, a couple of uh, earlier this week. Yeah. I was thinking that a projector. This is new to me. That's a right. That's a, that's. A, is it an HD projector? I don't know. Mm. Does it look as good as your telly, or is it a bit more fuzzy? It just doesn't take up so much room. You can put it away. Huh? Good. Great. Well, good. That's taking to the next level. That's impressive. Mm. It's good. Okay. Thanks very much for that. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more reviews. In the meantime, here's a quick tune.
is called um, Doctor Danger. Does make me feel dangerous. Um, the band is called Hide Your Tigers. You should. It's good. It's a good name for a band, isn't it? Yeah. Where'd you put them? So it's up to you. It's for the uh, listeners, covered on the stairs. Could do. That's where your wheels, isn't it? Well, that's where that's where he hides his Christmas gifts. Oh. Clearly. Keith. Yes. So you finished your book of the weekend? Then? Yes, I finished the first draft of okay. the book. So there's lots. There's still lots of like going back and 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 because it's a terrible mess. So going back and like re- rewriting bits and getting the character arcs right and things like that. So. How, how does it end? I'm not going to spoil it. I'll just say it involves. What's a, the last word? Uh, the end. Is it? <laughs> no. Is it? Have you uh, actually put that at the end? Oh, uh, yeah. I had because it feels like you know it feels like completion. The then. End. I can. I'll have to look it up. Oh, no, I, I don't finished. know what the last word is. Okay. Uh, uh, so, so, do you have a draft on you now? Yeah, I've got a draft. And yeah. can you check the acknowledgements? Oh yeah, because we, like, we don't want a, we don't want an awkward situation. Again, I'm not, not, not going to do a parking. <laughs> 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 Um, so uh, uh, we, uh, there's a lot of assumed knowledge here. Um, obviously, people who listen to a lot of the regular listeners will know uh, about this. But for those that are new, t- can you tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah. Uh, so uh, basically, um, last year I wrote a feature. Well, I've written a couple of features about Minecraft and about the fact that my young son, Zach, who is on the aut- autism spectrum, uh, when he was very young, I introduced him to Minecraft and he absolutely got it immediately. And he absolutely he loved it and it became a very important part of his life and uh, playing it with his brother and with me. And uh, it allowed him to kind of express his creativity in a way that he was not not able to through language because his language is a little bit behind. And I was fascinated by this and I thought it was wonderful. And I wrote a few features about it, just sort of saying uh, there was a, a feature I wrote about Notch and how he was my hero because he made this game that helped my son. And um, a publisher called Little Brown, um, quite a big, well-known publisher, saw this and my uh, senior editor there called Edward got in contact with me and said, have you ever thought about, you know, turning this idea of a father and his son and autism and Minecraft into a novel? And I said, no, no, I've been a journalist for 20 years. I've never even thought about writing fiction. Um, so he said, why don't you come up with a synopsis and come up with a couple of chapters? So I wrote a synopsis and he quite liked it. And then I wrote a couple of chapters thinking this is the end of it. This is never going any further. <laughs> uh, and he really liked the chapters. And the next thing I knew, I had a, a, a contract. Um, and so I've spent the last seven months while also kind of running the video game coverage at The Guardian writing a novel. And yeah, I've, I've finished the first draft on Sunday morning. 100,401 words. Wow. Did you... Did you- um, did you write it in a linear fashion then, from start to finish? Then, if the, the sort of if you finished it, if you have a moment of finishing it, is that where you, you sort of? Yeah, I don't. I mean, apparently, the, you know, all right, novelists. Apparently, that's I don't think of myself as that. <laughs> no, you know, I'm on the pantheon, but you know, everyone works differently. But that's definitely how I did it. I work from the beginning to the end because uh, that's how I write anyway. That's how I write journalism and features. So yeah, that's exactly how I did it. So the last words that I wrote are in fact the last words of the book. So I, I didn't skip ahead at all because I just felt like. Yeah, um, you have to live you in the You don't want to give yourself mind. spoilers, do you? Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. I didn't know that was going to happen. You've ruined the book for me now. Like, a lot of people do, like, move around, but for me it was kind of important to sort of try and stay in the in the arc of the characters and try and stay in their mindset, so... What's the um, what's the process now, then? You mentioned you've got to go back and, and go through it again. Is, is that annoying? Is that... Is that a, yeah, I, it's really annoying. I've, I mean, I've, I've done this. Oh, yeah. God, I can do it again. I hate it because, yeah, I mean, there's been lots of... I've, cut, I've, I've got a, a whole folder, a file, a document full of the stuff I've cut and I've cut about 15,000 words in the book already as I've gone along because I've, I've written a whole chapter and I'll go nah it's not really working so I've got rid of it so yeah there's lots I've lost along the way plus you kind of like realise what your story is about as you're writing it I think um, I think it was Terry Pratchett that said like the first time you write the, your first draft is you telling the story to yourself um, and I think that's true and I think you know I had to sort of discover what the story was about as I was writing it so there's lots of ideas I had uh, that require retrofitting in the in the book because they weren't there to begin with. So there's lots of things that the characters do later on that I've I've got to set up. You know, it's like I, I've written it to kind of like a three act structure. So it's very kind of Hollywood style. So you know, the peaks easy and to make of it. into a film. Uh, yeah, if who's, who's, who's going to play me and Anne? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously it's the most important decision <laughs> yes. that we've got to make. So um, uh, we're, we're running out of time, but I'm sure, I mean, hopefully you'll come back on and talk in detail about it. But um, so, so what, what are the timescales now? So, um, yeah, so the book, the hardback edition is going to come out in October of next year. So it's a very, very long timescale. And I think the paperback will be the following spring. So it's a, it's a very, very long process. And in that time, I'm going to be writing another novel. So I'll have a right. Wow. Well, we're excited for you. Um, yeah. Obviously, obviously, stay in touch. Uh, and if you need us to ship Steve off again, so you can come back in and talk yeah, about it, we're very, very happy very to do convenient. that. Uh, Tom, uh, where can we follow you on Twitter? Uh, Tom makes games. Thank you very much for coming in and for having such a short Twitter handle as well. It's very, very helpful because we're, we're we're really really nudging yeah, it here we're and pushing it. Right, book your tickets for the uh, One Life Left party. Details are on the Facebook page. We will be back next week uh, for the final show of the year. It's celebration. Show? I didn't know exactly. Wow. Um, until then, we've been One Life Left. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>